Welcome to the Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health Podcast, where we talk about the clinical and practical issues that face those working in the mental health industry. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Barrier Breakdown. My name is Erin Molino Bailey. I am the Chief Operating Officer at Cognitive Behavior Institute, and my co-host, Dr. Kevin Caridad, who is the CEO and owner of Cognitive Behavior Institute. And on this week's episode, we are joined by Michelle Butcher, who is a certified divorce mediator and licensed professional counselor with over 15 years of experience in the counseling field. Michelle has recently founded, co-founded, excuse me, the newly launched Center for Mediation at CBI. And we are super excited to have one of our own here today to join us, Michelle. So thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So could you tell us and our listeners a little bit about what um, your interest is in divorce mediation and what led you to become a certified divorce mediator? Sure. So over the course of 15 years of seeing patients, I've kind of navigated my niche into really developing a strong passion for couples work. Um, I started to realize that the more and more I could support couples in reunification and staying together, that that the support on the opposing end of that with finding a way to separate or end the relationship just wasn't there. Um, I actually really enjoy the part of this that is disarming the conflict where they, you know, couples have a really difficult time. You know, you tell a married couple, somebody, one partner mentions divorce and it seems catastrophic for the most part. Um, so I, myself as in, in my younger days, um, I'm a product of divorce and I myself have been divorced and I've had two very different experiences in that regard. Um, when my parents got divorced, it was the how not to divorce. And when I divorced, it was very much an amicable um, prioritization of our kids and I knew it could be done. So, you know, over the last probably three or four years, I started more and more realizing that there, there was a lacking support for the couples who just wanted to be the author or wanted to have, you know, a, a primary say in how their divorce went. Um, so I did some research, took my time and found a program, um, you know, in the midst of COVID, we find ourselves having a little more time <laughs> typical. So I found a program that I could participate in um, that was accessible and just kind of went for it. That's awesome. Now tell us a little bit of all the training that you did uh, go through to become the certified divorce mediator. We know a lot of hours went into that and it's really a specialty, really a niche um, that you know, you're part of now. Sure. So it's a it's approximately a 40 direct hour training. So there are um, mediators throughout the course of the training that I participated in with conflict resolutions. Um, Susan Devaney was the, the founder. She's 38 years as an attorney upstate New York, Rhode Island area. Um, so she developed this amazing training with other divorce mediator who were certified. Um, some of them had law backgrounds, some of them had financial backgrounds. Um, and then a fair amount of the people that I experienced were counselors or social workers. So it was about 40 hours of a direct training in each of their own um, kind of, you know, areas of expertise. And then we were required outside of those face-to-face -face trainings to spend, you know, anywhere from two to four hours developing skill sets that we were then asked to, you know, provide 
uh, a mock interaction on that they could, you know, that our mediators or our moderators, I guess, could see. Um, and then we were required to develop, um, I guess, from a template, yes and no, it was really just kind of a one page, don't forget all these things. Um, at the end of the divorce mediation process, what a couple gains is something called the memorandum of understanding, which has all of the set points that a couple wants in, in their divorce um, that is brought before a judge that is utilized and submitted as a, a legal document that, that gets a couple divorced. So all in probably 60 to 65 hours of training, both direct and indirect kind of went into getting the certification. It sounds like, uh, well, we know as mental health providers, divorce is one of, can be one of the largest stresses in one's life. And when you go a path of uh, within a pandemic or otherwise uh, getting divorced, you know, the marital hospice routes could be a lot more comfortable than going the route of war. Uh, and so what are the long, from, from a therapist perspective, what do you think of the benefits of marital hospice or the mediation piece on the individuals mm -hmm. doing it, meaning it uh, either one of the spouses or with regard to children involved or even any nuances, nuances and say uh, the LGBTQ community that may need uh uh, mediation. What are, you, what are your thoughts about that? So, you know, I think if, if anybody kind of even, you know, movie screen sees a divorce, there's oftentimes somebody speaking, i.e. an attorney um, or legal representative speaking on behalf of a client, um, mostly with feedback from a client, sometimes not always. It, it can get very litigious between two attorneys. Maybe they have a history. Maybe they, you know, they've been up against each other and, and maybe don't work so cohesively. So when, when a couple looks at, as Kevin, as you said, marital hospice or looking at mediation services, they then can develop or they can write the narrative for what they want their divorce to look like. Um, they, it, it is much more uh, quote unquote friendly, I guess, if that's not much of an oxymoron between in the sentence of divorce, um, but they really get to be the authors of what their divorce looks like. There's not necessarily any one person making their decision. There's somebody mediating exactly what that word means, kind of coming in to a situation with a couple and saying, okay, it's the give and take, right? Um, I, I, I once had an experience where there was a couple divorcing um, and their sticking point for probably eight months was an antique tea cart. Um, and, and there was a lot of history behind it for both of them. And, you know, and as the story goes, neither one of them were willing to, to bend or, or give, and they were willing to invest the money to fight for the tea cart. And, you know, with a little bit of discussion, um, I think it was more emotional than it necessarily was material. And so, you know, it, it's that process of just saying like, Fair and equitable, you'll hear that a lot, making it fair and equitable and making sure that both, both parties um, walk away feeling that, that they were heard um, and that they can walk away, you know, if they're going to have to walk away from their marriage, at least walking away without, um, you know, a really, really nasty negative feeling about their spouse, especially if they have kids involved. Um, that's a lifelong interaction. You're very rarely going to be able to dodge your ex spouse, let's say graduations, birthdays, weddings, um, things like that. So, you know, it, it really is helpful to have somebody just kind of like 
you know, kind of put out the fires along the process. Um, so, yeah. So the mediator is really taking the time to let everybody talk, be heard, decrease that emotional intensity so that they get better clarity to really see is they're getting the input with the mediator and supporting each other. They have actually greater control and ultimately better outcomes and improved costs because they're not using all those lawyers. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's another, you know, sometimes we have to, you know, include the business of divorce, right? Um, Mediation oftentimes is about a third less the cost than what litigation would be. Um, You know, you are paying several hundred, maybe several thousand dollars an hour to have an attorney represent you and you're putting, you know, faith that they're going to do what's best for you and on your behalf. Um, and then ultimately you could do all of that and get in front of a judge and a judge then has a final say. So now you've invested, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and may not walk away in feeling good about, you know, the end result. So yeah, it definitely is cost effective. Um, so, you know, on the emotional side, you kind of have this calming sense. And then on the, the business side of it, you have, you know, you, you really do, it, it, it becomes more cost friendly, um, to go that route. Michelle, um, I also have been divorced. So I, like you, um, know the toll that it takes on a person. Um, You make great points when it comes to both the emotional side and the financial side, because your life is changing in so many ways. And the last thing you want to do is bankrupt yourself. Um, Although you may want to do that to your spouse, but (laughs) typically both happens to both parties. Uh, But, you know, that's certainly something to take into consideration. Um, Can you also speak a little bit to um, the piece of mediation where both sides are always together when discussing these topics? It's my understanding that the mediator is not meeting individually with each party. And so that's, there's no kind of behind the scenes or any kind of shadiness, so to speak, going on because there's no, um, you know, impartiality to, to one person. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, part of that is, is out of respect for both clients. You're coming in to separate from one another. You know, you, you cannot have one spouse divorcing and the other one just dragging their feet or being resistant that, that, you know, not to fast forward, but that, that'll be part of the, who's not fit for divorce or fit for mediation. Um, But, you know, when you, even when the initial call comes in, um, the, whether it, whichever spouse is calling in, we double check to make sure the other spouse is aware that they have initiated this process or have requested this process. Um, It just keeps this, he said, she said at bay. There is no, there's nothing behind the magic curtain. There's nothing in a surprise box. You will say in front of each party, anything you would say in front of the other. Um, now, other mediators may not do that. I've, I've heard of and known certain uh, folks in the mediation field who are willing to do a one-on-one meet. Um, for myself, I, I would not do that. It just doesn't feel um, fair. It doesn't feel um, cohesive to both parties. Um, so, yeah, we, we make it a point to make sure that both, both parties are present. Sounds like a definite higher risk for miscommunication or uh, a fear of alliance of what, what the mediator and one of the spouses as, as a high risk. And kind of, I can see how that could eliminate that, that factor at least. Absolutely. So you don't have, you know, even if one spouse calls in and says, can I talk to Michelle for a minute? 
I would then say we need to have a conference call because we're, we, you know, um, I've unfortunately seen, you know, when one couple is kind of trying to angle in one way, one person, the couple is trying to angle in one way and it just doesn't, um, it just doesn't bode well for the, the end goal, which is to get this couple on the same page and get them divorced. So it sounds like there's definitely a criteria, so to speak, or a fit of who is makes a good fit for mediation versus who would not be a good fit. Could you tell us a little bit about both sides of those? Sure. So on the end of, of being a good fit for mediation, you know, you have couples who are in agreement about their divorce that yes, they are both ready to kind of move on to the next chapter of whatever that might be. Um, folks who don't have a lot of, um, you know, extenuating financial investment or liquid assets. I'm not saying that mediation couldn't work, but we then enlist um, a certified divorce financial analyst to come in because that can start to get, if you're looking at something like inheritances or, you know, trust fund, things like that, it starts to get, um, it really starts to get kind of like tit for tat. So, you know, but, but it definitely can be done. Um, Individuals who are ready to communicate in, 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 in a pretty amicable way, um, are, are great candidates for divorce mediation. You know, anybody who can just say, get the give and take of the, you know, of, of a divorce, um, those who would not be suited for divorce, anybody in active addiction, you don't want to bring in one spouse who potentially could be impaired during a session of mediation. Um, that kind of makes most things null and void. So anybody who's in active addiction would not be accepted for mediation. Um, anybody who has, you know, any kind of domestic violence history within the marriage or potentially have a PFA active, obviously they're not, they can't be in the same room. Um, and they would not be, they would need to step outside and either really go fully legal route or maybe get some counseling and then come back to that. Um, anybody who also has had CYS or, you know, children and family services involved with custody, um, because we do address custody in the memorandum of understanding. And so if there's a legal matter with custodial issues, um, those would need to be resolved before moving forward. But for the most part, as long as, as folks can, you know, come to the table, sit down, be heard and, and willing to listen Um, you know, it really does feel easier to do that. You know, you come in and and it's just like everybody sits and you have somebody just kind of probing the question back and forth. Um, And at the end of the day, you know, everybody walks away with, with, you know, a common goal in in mind. Wonderful. That, That was very helpful. And I think a lot of our clinicians who are listening could probably Um, relate to several of those situations that you discussed uh, just now so that they know, you know, maybe some of their couples uh, who are good fits for for divorce mediation versus some couples who are not. So thanks so much for sharing that with us. Can you just tell us a little bit um, about how long the average course of mediation takes? Because I know time is money and uh, time is important when you are working through a large life change such as this. However, um, I would assume that it could be much quicker than the legal route uh, through the court system when it comes to divorce. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the length of time in mediation really pretty much 95% lies within the couple. So if you can have a couple come in and it's a very like, do you agree? Do you agree? And everyone's like, yes, that's fine. Yeah, we'll do this. You know, you can get that done in, in one to two sessions, um, which are about two hour, two to three hours, depending on, you know, where you're at by that second day. Um, if you have issues where it's a sticking point, you kind of just put a pin in it. You get the couple and say, you know, can we put a pin in this and let's keep moving? We'll come back to it. Sometimes a couple, um, you know, that maybe had an issue where it, it caused a bit of a pause for them. When you kind of go through the other, you know, formalities of, you know, separating assets and division of property and custody, when you go back to it, they kind of, their guards are down a little bit and that might be a very quick, okay, yeah, you're right. We should do that. Um, you know, so once the, once the back and forth process with the couple is done, then, you know, we obviously have to, to develop the memorandum of understanding for them that they can take to the court that can take anywhere from seven to 10 days, depending on the depth of, you know, liquid assets, assets, investments, things like that. If it's, it's, if it's really kind of a cut and dry situation that could be done in, in as quick as 48 to 72 hours and, and given back to the client. Um, so it all depends. I would say seven to 10 days tops. If you have, have individuals that can really just kind of get in there and, and agree, um, and, you know, play nice in the sandbox, if you will. And if not, it's going to be based on how long they're willing to choose the hill to die on. And, and that sticking point isn't being resolved. Great analogy. Thank yeah. you for that. No, that's wonderful. And we know that for our listeners out there, they can um, learn more about the CBI Center for Divorce Mediation at www.papsychotherapy.org. And there's a specific title for the Divorce Mediation Center on our website where they can learn lots of information that you just discussed here with us today, as well as send any um, questions with any emails to the staff at cbipsychotherapy.org if any clients out there are interested in setting up a consultation with uh, Michelle Butcher or with Trevor Stifler, who are both the co-founders of the Center for Divorce Mediation here at CBI. Yes, thank you. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for being with us here today. We really appreciate um, this additional resource that you're able to provide clients um, who it may be a good fit for them, you know, during a very challenging time in their lives. So thank you so much for uh, joining us today and taking a moment to chat about it. Okay, great. Thanks so much. All right, wonderful. And thank, thank you so much to our listeners of The Barrier Breakdown, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and stay safe and healthy. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health. Listeners can find all of our episodes on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. For more information and to learn about upcoming continuing education events, check out our website, cbicenterforeducation.com, our Facebook pages, Cognitive Behavior Institute and CBI Center for Education, as well as our Instagram at Cognitive Behavior Institute and our Twitter at CBI underscore Pittsburgh. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We hope you'll tune in for another guest next week.